welcome to a slice of orange. So we're going to talk about the Superior Court judicial elections. There are three races on the March 5th ballot for Orange County voters to choose who the next judges will be. These are low information elections that I usually recommend people leave blank rather than vote without research. And even the research is tough to do. Each open seat has a candidate from the Orange County District Attorney's Office, which is how far too many voters make their selection. That candidate, whoever it is, usually wins. Um, our courtrooms are overrepresented with former prosecutors, but voters have so little information about these races, it's often all it takes to win. So it's not to say you should never vote for a deputy district attorney, um, but voting blindly for a title is a bad way for us to select judges. So we're going to spend some time on uh, what this race is about, and then later uh, we'll have episodes with some of the candidates and links to their website so you can make informed choices. So let's get started. Today we're going to talk about judicial elections in California. There are two different types of judicial elections. The first is competitive elections. Every county in the state, there are 58 counties, uh, each county has a superior court and they uh, have competitive elections where people can run against one another and the voters have, you know, at least two candidates, maybe more uh, to choose from on the ballot. Those are six-year terms uh, and that's how we get some, not all, of our superior court judges. The second type of election that we have is called retention election. Those for our district courts and our California Supreme Court. These are our pellet courts. Uh, the governor appoints any vacancies, and then every 12 years, the voters get the opportunity to affirm or deny that judge uh, another 12-year term. So those are retention elections. You don't get to choose between people. It's just, shall Judge Guerrero have another 12-year term or not? Yes or no? Okay, so Orange County Superior Court, there are three different levels of our courts. So Orange County Superior Court has has five different justice centers. Uh, the Civil Complex Center and the Central Justice Center are both in Santa Ana, and then uh, Harbor Justice Center in Newport, North Court in Fullerton, and, and West in Westminster. So we have judges at each of these courts. And if you're interested, you can go to occourts.org and learn more about uh, the Superior Court system of California. The next level up, if you appeal a case from Superior Court to our appellate court, uh, there are six district courts in California, and uh, Orange County is in the fourth district. Uh, and so we're in that eastern part, uh, southeastern part of the state with San Diego and Imperial, Riverside, San Bernardino, and Inyo. Uh, so that's the fourth appellate court. Uh, and then there are all these other uh, appellate courts. So those justices are appointed by the governor and then retained for office on, uh, on the ballot for a 12-year term. California Supreme Court, same thing. Uh, the governor appoints and then uh, the next election the, the 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 judge is on the ballot uh, to be affirmed by the voters for a 12-year term. So um, California Supreme Court only has seven justices as opposed to uh, the United States with nine. Um, and these are the current uh, 
associate justices and Chief Justice uh, Patricia Garrow, who was um, sworn into office in 2023. So Superior Court uh, competitive elections, um, they're, again, elected by the voters in the county. So they're, they're one of the only uh, elections where it's countywide. Our Board of Supervisors is divided by district. Our Board of Education is divided by district. Um, but the judges, the district attorney, the sheriff, all of those countywide offices are running for you know all 1.8 million voters in a county of 3.2 million people. Um, so these are six-year terms. Again, people can run against uh, each other for them. You do have to be a lawyer for at least 10 years before you're eligible to um, run for office. Often people have far more experience than that before they um they, they run to be a judge, but that's the rule. When you look at the June 2022 turnout, which is where our competitive elections are on the primary, um, and, and the reason that they're on the primary ballot is because if no one gets a majority of the vote, there's a runoff election in November. The retention uh, offices are in November because it's just a yes or no. So there's no need for a runoff. But when you look at this data, 68% um, of the voters in Orange County who turned out were, were white, 76% um, were 50 or older. So it's not a particularly representative um, electorate of the people. You know, the young people, 18 to 29, are the largest um, group of, of potential and registered voters, and yet they turned out uh, at a very low rate, 8% voter turnout. So you, you just have a tremendous mismatch between who the people of Orange County are and who is selecting our district attorney, our judges, and all of that. Now, it's not the fault of the people who showed up, but we do have to do a much better job of informing and engaging people in uh, the county and nationwide about the importance of the decisions that are made in these elections. Judges, I, I call this the lowest of the low information elections. Um, there's almost no information. You, they're nonpartisan races, so you don't get to know uh, if they're Republican or Democrat. And that's a good thing. We don't want our judges to be partisan. Um, but voters are left with very little information. Um, the ballot statements tend to talk about justice and objectivity and wisdom, and those are all good things, but it's hard to make a distinction between who would best represent me and what I believe our justice system should be um, with kind of buzzword bingo on a ballot statement um, or a, or a you know, yeah, ballot statement. So we're left with ballot designations. Um, and, and when we look at a 10-year-old poll showed the ballot designation that's most favored by voters, that's the job that they list. So you get a name and you get a title. Uh, and, and what we see is deputy district attorney is the most popular. Um, and, and so critics really do say that it unfairly favors prosecutors. Now, why is that bad? It's not necessarily bad. They're really good people who are working for our district attorney's office, really good prosecutors who, you know, should be and have been elevated to the judicial office and, and have done an excellent job. But that is not true for everyone who has the job. 
And so um, there are some problems with that bias that favors prosecutors. Um, and, and a lot of judges never even appear on the ballot. If no candidate files to challenge the incumbent judge, they're automatically reelected for another six-year term on the bench. It's incredibly difficult to win against an incumbent superior court judge. If that, uh, if, if we'd had instances where incumbents were challenged and they got to say Orange County Superior Court judge incumbent, um, that would be the most popular ballot designation. But far and wide, no one challenges the incumbent because they'd much rather put their name on an open seat, which is what we see appearing on our ballots most often. So in 2022, there were 33 incumbent judges that had no challenger and they were re-elected for a six-year term, nine retirements, um, well, eight retirements and one tragic death right before the election. And so there were nine competitive elections on ballot. It was a large number of them. In 2024, we see 33 incumbent judges re-elected until 2030 without appearing on the ballot. And there are three competitive elections. Now, judges have a tremendous amount of power in choosing when they retire. Um, if they retire in the middle of that six-year term, then the governor appoints a replacement. And that person then is the incumbent judge that has the job. And, and the application process that we'll talk about um, is, is really thorough and, and not a terrible way for the people to get uh, judges selected on the bench. But this other way where judges time their retirement so that their seat will appear on the bench um, really does have a, a strong bias towards um, prosecutors. And one of the problems with that <laughs> is that, thankfully, um, most of the court cases in Orange County and, and, and fairly uniformly across the board are not criminal cases. They're civil cases. There are people suing one another. There are family law. There are, you know, court cases and contract cases and and lots of things that are not criminal. And, and I'm very pleased by that. I'm very pleased that we, we don't have, you know, all of our courtrooms in uh, Orange County filled with criminal cases. 24% are criminal cases. So do we need prosecutors as judges in all of these cases? Would it be better to have, a, you know, a, a, a diversity of experience on the bench? And, and I think that this sort of shows that we do need more civil uh, lawyers that have that experience uh, and 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 not just electing prosecutors. We also have the reality that with low, low information elections, we've had some problems. Um, Judge Klein was uh, arrested for um, child pornography uh, and and was not facing um, a challenger and would have been reelected, but. Uh, enough people, uh, the media really covered the case. And so there were write-in candidates that came forward. And so he did have to appear on the ballot. But that's a big problem, especially, you know, with somebody who has that incumbent um, name. So John Adams was the write-in candidate who won. Great name. Uh, if you're ever looking to be a write-in candidate, it's easy to remember. And, and it certainly served him well. Turns out he was uh, a pretty competent uh, judge. So, um, but that's not how people were choosing between the 11 candidates they were choosing because he had a 
very familiar name. So it could have gone a different way. Um, Mark Kelly, uh, there's a big push to recall him from uh, office after he um, reduced the, the, the sentence for a convicted child rapist because he said that there was no um, violence or callous disregard for the three-year-old who was um, sodomized and raped. Um, there was a big outcry about that. They didn't get enough uh, signatures. and um, It's kind of slipped people's minds, even though the Board of Supervisors uh, condemned him, even though there was a lot of media attention at the time. Um, by the time his seat was up for re-election in 2018, no one challenged him. Um, and six years later in, in 2024, uh, we, we have the question of, will someone challenge him? Um, it would seem like, uh, even if he was a good judge for everything but this particular case, that might be something that the voters have opinions on and want to look at his sentencing, his demeanor in court. It's something that most of us as voters don't have any interaction with unless we happen to serve on a jury. One judge's courtroom, well, you know, police and, and, and lawyers who are in courtrooms have much more information about these particular candidates on the ballot. But um, the answer is no. Nobody challenged him uh, in, in 2024. And so he's reelected. He won't appear on the ballot and uh, has another six-year term. Uh, in, in 2022, we had a number of judges that were re-elected. Uh, Scott Steiner had been um, censured for having sex with women in his chambers. Um, he was re-elected without a challenger. Uh, two of the DAs involved in Arch Snitch scandal, Michael Murray and uh, Larry Yellen, who as deputy district attorneys uh, were involved in this massive scandal and uh, denied defendants uh, their constitutional rights. Yet no one challenged them. So they have been reelected and serve another six years. Um, major problems when people just are not aware of the situation. Uh, in, in 2022, we saw lots of people um, who, who were challenging the deputy district attorneys, deputy district attorney, deputy district attorney, um, all of these, and, and it's sort of curious how, um, you know, it seems a little bit calculated that there's never a deputy district attorney challenging another deputy district attorney. It seems like there might be some um, coordination and choosing which seat that, uh, that, that these folks um, run for. Um, Sean Nelson, who had been on the supervisor, he was a city council member in Fullerton, he was on the Orange County Board of Supervisors. You know, if, if, if voters had done a media search, Googled um, information about Sean Nelson, you could see these, you know, fairly big red flags um, for this person to be elected. Um, you know, campaign finance violations and, um, you know, just really not a judicial demeanor. Um, lots of yelling and um, fighting with other people on the board, um, you know, hypocrisy about taking public pension when he's been uh, attacking people for having public pensions. And e even the um, local campaign finance law when he was a board of supervisors opening up an account 
to uh, have people donate to his judicial campaign while he was making decisions for the county of Orange. Um, lots and lots and lots of problems that were fairly easy to see. And yet um, he went overwhelming because he had the ballot designation of deputy district attorney and he had name recognition because he had served in these positions before. And in fact, when we look at the winners of that June 2022 election, you see that everyone for the eight competitive seats where two people or three people were running, the district attorney won those seats. There's a huge bias. Um, and again, not that these are terrible people, but the voters are not aware of whether or not they're good or bad. You know, Eric Scarborough had uh, some some allegations of being involved in the snitch scandal. Um, Rahim Batai had been um, fired by the district attorney. So there are some questions about whether or not the voters have enough information. Claudia Alvarez had been censured as a city councilwoman in Santa Ana. Lots of potential problems that we saw. The, the one uh, that went to a runoff was, again, because the, the judge in that case died in, in February of 2022 and said there wasn't a district attorney that jumped in that race. Uh, um, Michelle Bell was a commissioner, which means she had been appointed for a you know, judge light position on the Superior Court by uh, the, 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 her peers, uh, the other Superior Court judges. Peggy Wong, who's an attorney for the city of Huntington Beach, a councilwoman for your Belinda, obviously had uh, the second largest number of votes, and they then were on the ballot in November for a runoff. Um, and and that is part of the problem with electing judges is you have people who essentially want to serve the public as judge, and we're asking them to raise money, we're asking them to you know, put out yard signs and campaign, um, and 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 whether or not that is in the best interest to make them be politicians for what essentially we do not want to be a political job um, it is another question to contemplate as we're thinking about how we choose our superior court judges for the county. The vast majority of superior court judges are appointed by the governor. Um, a, a lot of those judges are not retiring at the time. Uh, to have their seat appear on the ballot. And so lots of judges or our superior courts are appointed uh, and then appear on the ballot as the incumbent in the next election. So we do have the question, are appointments better? The governor has a, a background sheet, you're applying, you have to have letters of recommendation. There's a lot that goes into applying to be a superior court judge and being appointed by the governor. There are interviews, there's you know, more vetting, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I just don't think we have a bias towards voting because then the, the public has the power. However, um, if, if the public doesn't have the information uh, and, and really no easy way to get it, uh, most of the ways that you research a judge or to look at their website or to read their ballot statement, um, well, nobody's going to tell you bad things about themselves. Um, in either of those places. So there is a question of whether or not California should change the way that we select our judges. Now, we are a one-party state with Democrats dominating uh, the, the governor's office. So 
we would have to look at do governors have a bias on uh, you know towards democrats and and there's clearly a, a question about that um but that's something that you can definitely research and see how different governors have done with that um to to whether or not that's a reason to stop <laughs> we do have when we look at the research of who the governor has appointed um, far more diversity away from simply choosing deputy district attorneys. You have more civil lawyers. You have more public defenders. You have more lawyers with lots of different experience um, uh, applying for the governor's appointment rather than wanting to run for election and be a candidate. And then also being selected because the governor has a lot more information than the average voter. Merit selection, the one Thing, if, if we ever switch to this, that I would uh, want to put in the California Constitution, our California gov governor is not bound by appointing a qualified applicant. Now, uh, most of our governors have always chosen not just a qualified applicant, but a very qualified applicant. They have the ability to, to be even more selective than what the Constitution uh, sets out. But that, that would be the biggest thing if you ever were going to do away with uh, competitive judicial elections and go to a merit selection system. I, I, I would definitely want to um, borrow from other states who have this um, put in and and uh, and a nonpartisan commission, whether whether it's the ABA or another nonpartisan commission in different states um, that that is rating and and providing information about their um, performance as attorneys and then also um, as judges. So. That tells you a little bit about that. Um, the last thing that I'll leave you with is to remember that you can leave it blank if you don't feel like you know enough about judicial candidates. You can always leave that section of your ballot blank. And honestly, I would encourage you to do so because we so rarely have enough information about these candidates. Um, and it's far better to um, skip that and allow people who are more knowledgeable and informed um, to make that selection. But if you are interested, um, definitely do your research, definitely look at their performance, definitely you know, look at media articles to see um, that and look at their rating from uh, the, the Bar Association, their fellow judges, um, look at who's endorsing them. That kind of information can help, but honestly, um, it is far easier to leave it blank um, and, and not risk voting for somebody who has, you know, a, a fairly um, a shady past that you wouldn't want to support. So that's competitive elections. Mm -hmm.